Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to Domain Masters, the longest-running podcast where we teach you to be the master of your domain. Master of your domain. We discuss domains from many different perspectives, including the legal rights of owners and trademark holders, domain values, and monetization strategies. We show you how to utilize domains to drive traffic to your business so you can gain favorable search engine rankings. We discuss power tools of the trade with the power players of the industry every week right here on Domain Masters. Please welcome your host, Victor Pitts. Hello, my name is Victor Pitts. I'm the host of Domain Masters, and you're listening to it on webmasterradio.fm. On this episode of Domain Masters, we're going to be discussing domain sales again, uh, more of a, a basic domain sales strategy, but this is uh, where, where the last uh, session or episode that we had on domain selling was more of an active seller uh, role where the owner of the domain name is actively uh, calling, emailing, contacting uh, people to organizations to buy their names. The, the emphasis on this show is taking more of a passive uh, role on selling. And sometimes you, you might want to take that strategy with all or some of your names. Um, one reason is, is you don't have the time to be actively promoting your names. Two is when you're, uh, when you're actively promoting your names, you're, you're probably uh, looking to, to move inventory quickly. When you're passively selling it, that you probably have uh, enough of a portfolio or enough value in the name that you know that uh, under the right circumstances, the right party is going to ultimately come to you and, and make a good offer. Or you'll have a uh, a run rate of of business coming through from the uh, inventory that you have on the market. If you have enough of it, you'll sell a certain percentage of it, and and you'll be fine. So some people take more of a passive uh, selling approach, and they never pick up the phone, and they never initiate a uh, a sales transaction. Instead, it's uh, always driven by the buyer, and the seller sits there and goes into negotiation mode. So we're going to talk about that. And the other thing is, is if you have uh, domain names, that um, have the, the keywords within it happen to match up with someone's uh, uh, business or a trademark um, and making outbound uh, phone calls to them, it could come across as if you're cyber squatting as opposed to, I mean, just because they got the trademark doesn't mean that you don't have rights to the names because there's lots of people that have uh, the same trademark names. It's just used in, in different ways. So if you're using a domain in, in such a way that it's not competing with them and their trademark, 
then you really don't have anything to fear. But if you start calling upon them, uh, trying to sell the names, you could you, you're you're going into a gray area and could actually get yourself into uh, some trouble. So, uh, passive selling is um, a, a strategy of selling that uh, a lot of people use. So we're going to talk about that for a bit. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, the first question that you're going to um, who is the targeted buyer of your name? That's the first question that you need to to ask. Who is the targeted buyer of your name? Now, in order to answer that question, you need to look at your domain or domains uh, objectively and ask what is the value within the domain or the portfolio of domains? Uh, does it have a lot of type-in traffic? And is that type-in traffic targeted or is it kind of all over the place? Um, is it indexed favorably in the search engines? And if it is, is it bringing in lots of search traffic? Uh, is your domain easy to remember? And also, is it easy to spell? So easy to remember is fantastic, but if everybody types it in wrong, or if there's a high occurrence of people typing it in wrong uh, when they get onto their browser, then maybe it's not such a strong name after all. What is the attraction to your name? That's the bottom line question. What is the attraction to your name? And when you understand where its strengths are, it will help you to to determine who is the right buyer um, for you to target selling this name. And amongst the categories of buyers is, of course, you have the domainer community. Within a domainer community, you have speculators. They're not necessarily your best target for selling a name unless you're, you're really just wanting to liquidate inventory because what their goal is is to buy low, sell high, same as it is in any other business. Um, the, if you're, but the domainer that's looking to monetize the name is, of course, going to be looking at the name in, in a different sort of light. Um, end users, uh, which are corporations, uh, you know, companies, organizations that will be using the domain for building out a web presence uh, to build out a brand. So you, you need to determine who it is that you're going to be selling to, but before you can determine who you're going to be selling to, you got to look at the value of the name. So let's talk some more about that. Um, so you, you've got a handle of your, your name and some of the things that it can do for you. Let's, let's say prepping, prepping the domain name. Uh, to sell. Prepare a value spec sheet. And this is a good way to kind of get organized and determine what the value is. Prepare a value spec sheet that shows the domain name. Also on that document, you want to, to put in the creation date. Why? Well, the older the name is, the more valuable that it is. Why? Because it's a factor in the Google search algorithm that's actually used. The keyword is the number one important thing within a domain. The second most important thing is a creation date. The older the creation date, the, the, the better the domain will perform when everything else is equal. So put the creation date on there. So monthly search stats. If you have, uh, whether it be type-in traffic, uh, for the domain name, if you have type in traffic, then you know put the type in traffic um, information uh, on on the website. If it's uh, search traffic that you're getting because you have this domain used on a website and you're you're gathering search traffic, then put that traffic and even discern between uh, distinguish between the types of traffic, say that coming from search engines versus that coming from uh, other sources such as bookmarks and direct navigation. Um, 
also look at the actual within the keyword itself use a tool that's provided free uh, by google their keyword tool and just search google keyword tool um and and the uh google search engine and uh, find find their tool and put in the keyword from your domain name not the the tld part not the dot com net or whatever it is to the right of the dot but everything to the left of the dot put that in there and and see what uh, Google uh, reports in terms of uh, monthly search traffic. Record both the global and the local uh, search traffic using the exact match results. And that tells you how many people go to Google on a monthly basis worldwide as well as in your local uh, region. In, in the U.S. it would be in, and in the U.S. U.K. be the U.K. So global and local. and tell you how many times people have actually searched on that search term um, on a monthly average basis. Um, so that's good to know as well. Um, what is the price that you're willing to sell at? Ah, now we're getting hard. Now we're getting difficult. This is where it gets really subjective and everybody thinks that their domain is worth more than it probably really is. So what you do is when you look at your domain, um, one method of, of estimating the price, and we've talked about this in the past on other shows, but use the ROI method uh, where you take the monthly uh, revenue um, and come up with a, uh, a payback of, say, three years um, at that revenue uh, stream. That's what you're if, – if you wanted to uh, use a, a three-year payback, then uh, the price would be three, three years times earnings. Um, so um, that, that's that's the ROI method is a way of estimating the price using outside appraisal on uh, service, uh, number of them on the market, some for pay, some for free. Um, but you could consider using an outside appraisal. Um, looking at like sales, go to DN Journal and find uh, similar type of uh, sales as as to the domain name that you're going to be putting on the market. And uh, and kind of price it in line with what what the market is uh, doing, and the other thing is is use your your gut estimate. Um, what do you feel that it's worth? So now you want to prep that domain. Uh, targeted buyers are going to be looking for specific attributes and judging the value of the, the domain based upon that. A domainer is going to be interested that's interested in monetizing a domain uh, will be looking for both traffic quantity and traffic quality that's important to them how can you communicate that to the domainers um so think about that uh you may not want to necessarily put that on paper but you know have that in your mind as you're going to engage in a conversation or exchange of emails uh end users are going to be looking for brand um, or they're going to want to own or block a keyword space online. So how can you reach them with a message that your domain is available for purchase? Well, one of the things that you could do is um, uh, place your domain name domain on its own web page. And this is assuming it's not already there. But if it's not already there, if it's just sitting in your registrar account and or you have it on a parking page, consider during the time period that you're going to put the name on the market of, of actually putting the domain on its own web page. And, and what you would do is, is place some relevant content um, on your domain um, on, on the web page and submit the, the web page or the website to, be, to Google to be indexed and other search engines as well. Um, and this will, they'll, they'll, if you don't do anything, they're still going to spider it and, and discover it anyway, but you kind of speed up the process by submitting it for consideration. Um, 
consider placing a form on the web page or a contact us page on the site so the interested buyers can reach you to express interest okay um, and it's okay to say that the name is for sale or or that you may be considering uh, offers it's okay to say that to let people know I mean you don't want to put on a uh, just a very brief site and and not necessarily put any of that thing it's like you know they might think that you're crazy that how do you make business on that so let them know that this is a, a placeholder site if you will it's got some content on it it got indexed in the search and you know what it really did the most important thing that it does is when you when you place some relevant content on on a domain and you, you on, on a website and and associate that website to your domain name you get indexed by the search engines it puts you on the radar of people competing in your space so when people go to type in those keywords in the search engines and it produces a a, uh, a list of websites relevant to what the um, what the person is searching for, and and they they see your name, it starts generating some traffic. Traffic, you know, increases the value of domain. For the person who's actually in that space, is checking out who's competing in front of them. Why are we not at the top of the search engines? How can we improve our ranking? And they're looking at this index, and they're doing these searches on these keywords around their space, and they're doing their homework, and they see your sites keep popping up. Your domains keep popping up ahead of them. Um, it may cross their mind that they're going to want to uh, purchase uh, the domain from you. So placing relevant content on a website, putting a form or a contact page on there so that they can, you can actually gather orders uh, have them come through your site and, and you gather orders you can you can require them on a form to fill out certain contact information um, it, it's all a good thing and it's a good way of promoting your domain even if you um, you go and use submission services for for reaching uh, buyers um, and when I say submission services anything from a, a snap names that you're you're putting it on um, to sell or a CDU or, or uh, any any of the other listing sites out there, again, many of them are, are free these days uh, and maybe only charge you a commission if the name sells. Listing them is great, but you're, you know, where you can actually provide a link for more information, um, you should uh, you should put your link back to your domain name so that um, people can actually see it index in the search engine actually see the name uh, so it's a good idea to uh, to get it on a web page get it out there uh, link to it list to it many different ways as you possibly can to increase or to get as much exposure to that name as as possible um, so submitting your site to the for sale sites uh, track what you're doing so that you don't have any compete uh, competing listings spread about the web um, especially if you you know if you're doing it at different times and at different price points buyers are a lot more savvy these days and can search um, and find all references of a domain and price listings for a name so don't play games don't list it at one site for you know ten thousand dollars and another site for two thousand dollars and expect nobody to discover that so if you're listing it and you're putting prices with it um, then make sure that you're uh, you're being consistent in your your messaging uh, my name is victor pitts i'm the host of domain masters you're listening to it on webmasterradio.fm domain masters will be back after this short break stay tuned 
in 500 yards. CPA Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at cpaway.com. As you know, being an expert at f- What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f- Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f- performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on a Quizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. From the creators of We Build Pages, experience the power of the Internet Marketing Ninja. An exclusively trained army of nearly 100 in-house ninjas. Mastered in the arts of social media, local marketing, content creation, SEO reporting, and yes, link building. The Internet Marketing Ninjas will release a new version of their legendary tools to the public. Visit imninjas.com. The ninjas are coming. Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, webmasterradio.fm. It's like radio with a Ph.D. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. We're back with more Domain Masters, where we teach you to be the master of your domain. Master of your domain. Here's Victor Pitts. The following is an encore segment of Domain Masters. Uh, I'm very pleased to uh, uh, be joined with our guest, Danny Sullivan, partner and chief content provider or content officer for Third Door Media. Uh, Danny, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Uh, well, well, Danny, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to uh, speak to uh, speak with you uh, directly. Um, I've uh, been somewhat of a follower of yours for quite some time, having been in the web development business back in the uh, mid and, and late 90s and, and looking at some of your uh, content online with Search Engine Watch. So uh, this is this is truly uh, uh, an honor for me to be uh, talking with you. But uh, for most of our listening audience, which is in the domain and uh, SEO, uh, SEM uh, type of business, are very familiar with this. But just in the event that there are some people that are not, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself uh, for just a moment and tell us a little bit about uh, what got you in the business and, and where you're at now? Oh, gosh. Well, I was uh, doing web development uh I think it was about 13 years ago, uh, 95 or so, and we had this one client who didn't understand why he wasn't ranking well for a particular search term. So uh, it all kind of got started into looking into it more for him and try to come up with some answers. And uh, I discovered kind of how the search engines worked, some of the things that they liked in terms of favoring content, how they were crawling out the web, published all that information out online, and it just kind of took off from there 
you know, both people who were trying to search the web better found the information useful, as well as, of course, the marketers who were trying to understand it. And there, there really wasn't a lot of information about search engines then. There really wasn't anything at all. So it was kind of fun to get in on it from the beginning. And so you had, in, in the early days, you had created uh, a website all about the search engines, and, and then over time it, uh, you started doing uh, uh, shows, trade shows, and so forth, uh, bringing together sure. a growing community that was becoming specialists, if you will, in that, in that industry. Absolutely. So, I mean, of course, I was doing, um, I had done the site for about a year on my own. It was originally called a Webmaster's Guide to Search Engines. I renamed it Search Engine Watch about a year into it. Uh, had got acquired by Jupiter Media. Uh, around 1999, we started doing uh, conferences, search engine strategies conferences that really took off and kind of went alongside with the site to kind of teach people in per- person information about search marketing. Um, eventually, uh, Jupiter Media sold those sorts of things off to the company that currently owns an incisive media. And then uh, at the end of 2006, I decided to kind of go off on my own and and felt like I'd have a little more freedom to keep doing the uh, websites and doing conferences the way that I kind of wanted to do them uh, in my own mind. So I had started up the Search Engine Land site, which uh, we're going to be about two years old at the uh, end of this year. And we started up our Search Marketing Expo conferences, the SMX conference series, and really just been doing the same sort of thing I'd always been doing from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Search Marketing Expo conferences and, and how it differs and how it's more true to uh, what it is that, that you think is important in a, in a show of that type. Well, I mean, when I was doing the SES series, people really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, unless they were constantly lying to me, but they kept coming back in record numbers. So I think we were doing a pretty good job. Um, they, the things that a lot of people were frustrated with is that they seemed to want a better experience. They loved the content, but, you know, they wanted a nice lunch. Um, they wanted to have Wi-Fi in the rooms. They wanted to have, I think, organized networking experiences. So when we did SMX, we just brought the same kind of content that we were already doing and felt was solid and made sure that we were spending some money on giving people uh you know, decent meals, food on plate, if you will, um, snacks during the breaks. Uh, you don't have to go hunt down a soda if you want it. There's some that are there. Uh, make sure that we have Wi-Fi that's out there so people can stay in access with whatever they want. Uh, and have organized uh, conference uh, things, doing things like Search Bash that we just had at our SMX East show that was going on there. Plus, we'd have a reception uh, and try to work with doing things like charity parties or some of the search engines that they're throwing events like the Google Groove that they did at our SFX West show. And we also have an online networking system as well. So before you even get there, um, you can go through and see all the people who are going to come and decide who you want to meet, talk with them a little bit. Because it can be hard. You go to a large show, uh, if you're kind of new to it, and you want to connect with some people. It's a way of helping them along. So that's been uh, that's been the main thing. Uh, we have little things, too. Uh, sometimes people notice some little touches. You know, every show that we do, there's a little uh, pin that you get uh, that you can wear, you know, like a lapel pin or something like that. So we hope someday it'll be like, uh, we know it won't be like the people at Disney uh, World and Disneyland wearing the pins, but hey, you never know. Uh, we wanted to let people who've been to shows repeatedly be able to kind of, you know, get some recognition that they've been out there uh, and do stuff like that. Now, do you find that the people that attend these shows is it the same type of profile, you know, for for you know show after show, or you drawing in a uh, different type of specialists or different type of uh, of uh, you know event participant or, or clientele? Well, this has been our first full year of, um, if you will, general purpose and the boutique shows. When we did it in 2007, we ran uh, our SMX Advanced show. 
uh, for the first time. We ran our social media show, which is helping people understand how social media works with search. Uh, ran our local and mobile show. But we hadn't run SMX West and SMX East, which were the big three-day shows that are designed to help people go to multiple tracks, whatever their skill levels are. And so to date, we still don't have, if you will, um, a lot of um, repeat history because since we've never done SMX East before until this past October, it's hard to say, oh, you know, we saw all the same people who came back and loved it and they came back again for another SMX East. We definitely had some people who had gone to our West show that also came out to our East show. Um, I wouldn't say a whole lot of overlap because those are designed to be more regionally oriented. Um, we certainly had some people who had gone to our advanced show who came out. Um, we had a lot of people who went to our SMX advanced show that when we re-ran it, um, you know, the content always changes, but, you know, you have the shows every year, an annual event. Uh, we had plenty of people who had gone to it the year before and came out for it. Uh, and lots of new people. Um, the advanced show is somewhat amazing because we've, the first time we did it, we sold that out. Um, I think it was the day before um, we had closed online. It was the Friday before the show was going to start, we sold out. And this time that show sold out three weeks prior to the event. So we, we not only had people who came out to that show who had been there before, but we had had people who had been to our West show that had then heard about this advanced show from other attendees who said they wanted to go to it. Right. If you were to look back over, over the uh, last 10 to uh, 15 years and, and what has, uh, you know, how the uh, search uh, industry has, has changed, how would, you, how would you describe that change to someone who uh, was, was, you know, sitting on an island and just talking to them for the first time, kind of catching them up on things? What has is, what is the last 15 years been like in, in terms of online and, and search? Well, I mean, it depends on your perspective. Um, the biggest change for you to go back, you know, 15 years to now is paid. You, know, you couldn't buy listings, and you do that uh, as a matter of routine now. That, that's just something that was not possible to do. Um, I think that there's much more awareness and focus these days on analytics, making sure that the traffic you have coming in is performing better and focusing on how exactly they're getting to you than the guesswork in the days of, uh, people running ranking reports and guessing at what terms they thought would bring traffic but not really knowing if those terms would bring in traffic. I think there is more recognition of the importance of content. Um, I've always kind of preached content that that's kind of king and that's what will keep you going with it. Uh, but, you know, you go through different waves and people kind of forget or become new to the space and don't realize that content is so important. So that's a, a big change. And I think that there's been a real revolution in people doing uh, search marketing internally in-house. You know, that um, there are a number of people who that's what they do for their company is the uh, search marketing campaigns. And, in fact, some of those people aren't just doing search marketing now, but they've moved up. Uh, into higher levels where they may be in charge of marketing overall, and they come to it from a search background rather than some other kind of marketing background. What do you see as the area of greatest need or opportunity for um, for the search industry, for so, someone to say, uh, you know, of a Google or a competitor of Google to make things better? What's needed? Um, well, sizable traffic, I suppose. I mean, for anybody who wants to compete with Google, uh, they just don't have the traffic that makes them that attractive. So, you know, you've got Microsoft that uh, has a lot of resources, uh, has a lot of ambitions in the space, 
but the best feature that they could offer anybody would be to, you know, more traffic. And they sometimes joke when they ask people what features they want. They say, and we know you want more traffic. We're, we're, we're working on that. Uh, so that would be, uh, you know, a, a good thing to come along. I just don't, there's no easy solution to that. What are some of the overall trends that you're seeing in the search industry? I mean, uh, is, is what, what is the biggest thing? I mean, obviously, uh, uh, there's a lot of, of new, there's a lot of new sources of data online now besides websites, but with the social networks uh, that are there too. So what opportunities or trends might you see in terms of search as respect to uh, social networks, forums, blogs, these types of things compared to the traditional web search? Um, in terms of being able to search and find information mm-hmm. or for search marketer resources? Uh, well, well, for either one. Well, sure. I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot more specialized tools that are out there. I mean, you can use things like, for example, like uh, Twitter search or Google blog search, and you're able to search um, better in terms of buzz, if you will. So if you're trying to understand what's going on with marketing, you can do that. You've got tools like Google Trends that will show you top uh, top uh, searches that are happening, you know, in, in real time that are rising and that are becoming popular, which a few years ago you would have thought was unheard of to get from Google. You can use Google's Webmaster Tools and Webmaster Central to discover the way people are linking to you and what are the most popular uh, terms sending traffic to your own site, which is pretty amazing. Um, the ability, again, at Google Trends to compare the traffic levels to different sites and see how well they're doing. Um, some people feel that, you know, uh, the data is pretty good compared to especially something like Alexa that you know has been laughable in the past. Because um, there's just lots of tools out there like that. It's kind of hard to, to enumerate them all. Mm-hmm. Um, being this uh, this show, Domain Masters, is uh, largely about domains and, and things that touch domains. Let's chat just a few minutes about how domains uh, can be in, used in search. Um, what what is your your perspective on that? Well, I, I think you've got, uh, you know, a couple different perspectives when it comes to domains. First of all, there's the uh, site architectural issues, right, which may not be what's in the mind of most, say, domainers when they're thinking about search and domains. But if you're building a website, you have a lot of decisions you make. Do you uh, branch out a particular website into its own subdomain, or do you put it into its own standalone domain? And when you start splitting a website up, are you going to divide the potential link traffic that's coming to you? If you have registered multiple domains that you're hoping may uh, pull in some direct navigation traffic for your site, are you going to be, um, you know, 301 redirecting them over? And if so, then you're going to ensure that you're getting a lot more of the um, potential link traffic that could be out there going into one place, to where some people may not think about that and they just resolve all the domains to the same website, but they don't change the URL or the domain structure. And then, you know, the site may be bookmarked in many different ways, and that can cause you issues down the line. Um, In terms of, say, a more search marketing perspective, uh, having a domain that matches your your search term is helpful. Um, it, It has never been, you know, if you will, the the single most factor that will take you over the edge. But it helps you in a lot of different ways. You know, there's a little bit of weighting that most of the search engines say may be in there in terms of the ranking. Um, there's more of an aspect that if you, you know, are fortunate enough to own shoes.com, a lot of people are going to link to you and say shoes.com, and that, that hyperlink itself is going to contain the word shoes, and that's what, what really rules on the web is if you get a, a, an important link that is also using the key term you're trying to be found for. Right. So I think that... Um, 
you know, having those kinds of uh, uh, generics or those keyword-rich domains is great. Although I think there's also the danger that people, you know, get into overkill and they think that as long as they have um, best hyphen used hyphen cars hyphen in hyphen New York dot com that woohoo I've won because I've got all the keywords there and I, you know, I think that even some you know, unsavvy consumers kind of look at all the hypers and somehow get a feeling that that maybe isn't like the best domain that's out there. You know, especially when you get used to lots of uh, reputable websites, lots of brand websites having short domains, having you know not a not a lot of hypers in them, and then things like that kind of stand out and look unusual. Do you think that hyphens do in any way provide or add value to a domain name uh, from a from a SEO perspective? Um, there was quite a bit of debate about that when they first came out, especially when we had the longer domain names. Um, back then, I didn't think they helped that much. I still don't think they're that big a deal. Um, you know, the search engines seem to be more clever these days about understanding whether or not two words are together or not without the hyphen. Um, I think the difficulty, too, is that if you were to register a hyphen, it, you still have to have the single short domain anyway. It, it, you, you don't want to have used-cars.com and then have somebody else with usedcars.com and people confused about which one to go to. And my preference for marketing would still be to put out the one where the words are all together. Um, so I, I think it may be useful to have them. Maybe you can redirect them. I've just never seen anybody put out any good studies or any good good information that was really solid, that really made you think, nodding your head, wow, thank goodness they had you know, the hyphen. It. That, that's really what made the difference for them. Right. How credible uh, and valuable do you think that uh, direct navigation is to, to uh, a website owner or, or a uh, SEM or SEO person? Uh, I think there's potential there. I just don't think, again, it's one of those things that's been measured that well. I think that um, people who do direct navigation um, are looking to fulfill uh, a search need a lot of times. So, you know, a good example is the, the person who's looking for an IRS form who guesses that they must be at irsforms.com, right? You know, this the sort of thing that happens all the time. Fortunes are made on this stuff, right? Um, so if they end up over at irsforms.com, I haven't even looked to see if there is one, but I suspect there is, um, if they end up over there, they want an IRS form. You know, pretty much that's what they were they were after. And if that site is able to deliver them, you know, through their ads or however they're doing it to actual IRS forms, then that should be a very good conversion person. And if you're a website that has IRS forms um, and you can partner up with the person who's getting that kind of direct navigation traffic, you should have a pretty good prospect. I think the difficulty from what I see, and, you know, I don't play in the domaining space and I don't watch it, you know, that closely, but when I do look at the stuff kind of tangentially, is that it still seems to be, I don't want to say Wild West, just sort of a frontier that's not been kind of tamed a bit, so that, you know, you can't go to Google and buy the direct navigation traffic directly. And, in fact, most of the people who get upset with, say, Google are upset because they feel like the direct navigation traffic is junk. <laughs> and so they want to say, I don't want to be able to get this at all, and I want to lock it out. And my feeling is it's not that you necessarily want to lock it out. It's that you want to be able to break that traffic out from other kind of traffic so you can measure it more clearly and make your own decision as to whether or not it's converting for you. And Google just kind of lumps it in 
you know, they, 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 they treat it either as contextual traffic, if you land on a page and there are the links that are already presented for you, or they treat it as search traffic if somebody's actually done a keyword search request. And I think it's a, a creature that, if you will, that deserves its own play. And then I think if people could then better understand if they were getting the direct navigation traffic, then they might be more, you know, proponents of it. They found that it was working well for them, but I just don't think they can measure it. When they do measure it, what you tend to hear is the horror story thing, that all they can particularly find is that they suddenly start seeing that they're getting a lot of traffic from, I don't know, you know, some Russian-based IPs that all seem to be coming off of a, a particular site that they've managed to hunt down. And they see, you know, the negatives that pop up because the positives may be buried off another kind of data. Exactly. Um, domainers is a term I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. Uh, what do domainers not understand about uh, SEO? Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard because I haven't talked to as many domainers as I should. I need to make it out to domaining conference at some point. So some of my impressions come from what I've read and some of the topics that I've seen. Um, you know, there's an impression that you have some domainers that are really I'm going to buy a bunch of domains, build up my portfolio, and sell them off to other people. And I guess that, you know, if the idea is to kind of to churn them and burn them or whatever, then there's not a whole lot of SEO play in that, right? They're not really trying to build them out as sites. I think that some domainers might actually find that they can get more for their properties if they spend some time giving them some real content. I mean, you you end up at some of these domain domaining websites, and they all look alike. They all have the, the standard URL structures that are there and the ads that are kind of put together in this kind of, uh, I can't describe it. It's sort of like the, this Motel 6 of websites, right? They all kind of look the same, feel the same, and they don't feel particularly that wonderful. And then um, I was trying to think of a site I'd been to recently, but um, I thought it was about beach cruisers or something like that because I was trying to find a new beach cruiser. I'm pretty sure it was a domaining site, and I I ended up on it for some reason, but it was actually there was a little bit of love that was put into it. You know, there was a little bit of thought about which URLs were being shown, which ads were being placed. There was some additional information that was built out to it, and you know, it was more of a resource than just here's an ad dumping ground. And I think that if you can build your site up into a little bit more of a resource, um, you know, it may be more valuable if you decide to sell it. It potentially may be more valuable in terms of the traffic that it attracts and makes money for you. Um, so, you know, there's that kind of option. I, I guess probably the biggest thing really is just to say, you know, do you want to be thinking about the content a bit more? Because SEO really, for me, comes down to working with your existing content to make it more search engine friendly. SEO to me doesn't mean just get a bunch of traffic from the search engines, however you get it. Right. And so if you don't have the traffic, you're not really SEOing anything. Right. You had mentioned uh, earlier, I think, in, in the interview about uh, uh, companies beginning to do a lot of their in-house uh, SEO work. And, and one of the things that the industry, uh, one of the ways that the industry changes, is this something that you see more in the larger corporations? Or do you actually see that with some of the smaller mid-sized organizations where they have a full-time person on staff doing uh, SEO, SEM work? Oh, you do see it all over. I mean, you just do see it in all companies of all kinds of sizes, certainly more when they're larger companies. Um, but I'm trying to think of somebody I talked to recently. You know, she was does the SEO work for this, you know, New York-based gun company, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't that big of a business, and uh, they had somebody who was, you know, focused on the SEO side of things. 
Um, so you can see it at all, all aspects. Obviously, the bigger the company, the more likely you can have one person who's devoted to it. Smaller companies than you tend to see somebody who does the SEO, but they may be doing other kinds of online marketing, too. Danny, we certainly appreciate you being on Domain Masters show, and, and so on behalf of our listening audience, appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to uh, meeting up with you at one of the upcoming uh, you know, SMX shows and, uh, and perhaps uh, do some uh, contributions to some uh, domain information on one of your sites. Cool. Thanks so much. Appreciate being here. All right. Take care now. 